our scripture passage that um, Pastor Dallas is going to be talking on today comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And the version I'm reading it from you won't find unless you're using your app. It's from the, um, it's called the Complete Jewish Bible. It says, Therefore, let us be terrified of the possibility that, even though the promise of entering his rest remains, any one of you might be judged to have fallen short of it. For good news has also been proclaimed to us, just as it was to them. But the message they heard didn't do them any good, because those who heard it didn't combine it with trust. For it is we who have trusted who enter the rest. It is just as he said, and in my anger I swore that they would not enter my rest. He swore this, even though his works have been in existence since the founding of the universe. For there is a place where it is said, concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And once more, our present text says, they will not enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter it, and those who received the good news earlier did not enter, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the text already given, today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later of another day. So there remains a Shabbat keeping for God's people, the Sabbath keeping. For the one who has entered God's rest has also rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us do our best to enter that rest so that no one will fall short because of the same kind of disobedience. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you pray with me? God, as those words sink in from Hebrews, may you speak to us. And as Pastor Dallas comes to preach today, I just pray that you would um, cut through, your Holy Spirit would cut through the noise in our lives, and that we would hear from you. And God, as we hear those words of rest and entering your rest, it's an attractive thing. And I think you create us to long for that rest um, and to long for you. And I pray that you would, you would show us today what rest means. And God, I pray that you would just use Dallas. I'm so excited for Pastor Dallas to be here today. I pray that you would um, speak through him and use him and that you would draw us all closer to you today. Stream that I pray. Amen. Maybe there's nothing <laughs> more relevant to us today than the concept of rest, right? I mean, we're headed into the holiday season when no one rests. And maybe the struggle we have is because we've never learned how to rest. Maybe because we've never understood what it really means to rest. We think about rest as, you know, going to the beach, sitting there, lathering up with sunscreen, reading one of uh, Oprah's bestsellers, or we sleep in on a, a rainy afternoon, we just kind of, a rainy morning, we sleep in, or, or, or maybe it's when we sit on the couch and just be lazy with a Netflix marathon playing in the background. I mean, that's our image. But the rest that Hebrews describes is so different from that. 
we don't have to take a day off of work for this rest. We don't need to drive to the beach or spend any money. It's available to all the time, every day, to everyone. It's as close to us as prayer. But the rest that we have here is, is a response, I think, the writer of Hebrews, I, I don't know, the, the way Jessica read it, made it, drew it out even more. This is a letter written by a pastor, with a pastor's heart. It almost sounds like a sermon. It's written to a troubled group of people in a church maybe a subsection of this church, maybe it's a group of second-generation believers who are now facing persecution for the very first time, and they're struggling with this and need some encouragement. The writer writes, I mean, you really get the sense it's almost a sermon, point by point, as he reads Scripture expositorially. His text probably is Psalm 95, but he throws in some illustrations from some other places. And the writer gives us this sermon this morning, and the main point, the main point that I want you to catch is this, we need to learn to rest in Jesus to really thrive, because the more we rest, the more we trust, the more we rest. And yet this rest eludes us. It it escapes most of us today. It is really uh, difficult for us. Just like the promised land stood before the children of Israel, this promise of God's rest stood before us. That stands before us isn't automatic. It's something we can't just walk into. Chapter 3 if you have your Bibles open, I hope you do, at the very last, gives us a warning. A warning to the people of God. It says, unbelief kept the people of Israel out of the promised land. You read it, it says, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And if we think about this just this morning, I hope we catch the idea that unbelief is a constant distraction. It's, it's a nagging temptation. It is dangerous to us. And we need to constantly be on guard against this temptation of unbelief. We need to do everything in our power to fight it off. This unbelief. And it comes... Folks, I hope you can relate to this because it comes to us as this this continual restlessness in our lives, a nagging dissatisfaction, desire, an anxiety, a fear. Hebrews 3 reminds us about this wilderness generation. If you were to read that whole chapter 3, you see how he introduces us to the children of Israel who wander in the desert for 40 years. They had been delivered out of Egypt. I mean, think about this. But because of sin and rebellion, 
That's where they died in the desert. They never entered the promised land. And that's what we're introduced to in these first, or in chapter 3, the very end of chapter 3. What kept them out of the promised land, folks? You ever thought about that? Have you ever spent some time? There was one final test for the children of Israel. The children of Israel stood at the boundary line. I mean, they were right there. They could have just walked right in. They were given the word of God from Moses. But they held back. Why? Because they were afraid of giants. They were afraid of giants, and so they turned around And they didn't take that step of faith. And instead, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. The danger presented is that the effect of a hardening of the heart can keep us from acting on our faith, on our belief, so that we lose the ability to even trust God in the areas of our lives that we struggle with every day. A man asked a preacher, you know, pastor, if we could do the miracles like the early church did, man, we could really get this church going. I think Jesus would have answered that man like this. In Luke 16, 31, he said, If they believed not Moses and the prophet, neither will they believe, though one should rise from the dead. (laughs) So what keeps us from trusting? What keeps us trapped in our restless fear? Do you feel that way from time to time in these days? Trapped in a restless fear? In chapter 3, verse 12 There kind of is this introduction, or or maybe we might say the whole of the book of Hebrews, for me at least, where the writer of Hebrews warns the congregation not to be led away from the real, the real thing, the living God. How often do we feel restless, dissatisfied, afraid? And we replace the real thing with something of our own imagination. We just left Halloween and sometimes I think we create these monsters that are bigger than God in our minds. And we have no peace. So I want you to notice in chapter 4. In chapter 4 we are introduced not only to a another warning, but also a promise, a promise of rest. Look, it says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. You see, Israel had heard the good news. I mean, remember? Joshua and Caleb, they came back to camp and they said, oh my goodness, you can't believe what we saw. There, this was a land of milk and honey and the grapes were as big as my head. That's what they said. 
I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, that was the good news, right? And then they said, and we can walk right in and take it, right? But how did the children of Israel respond to this good news? Well, they didn't believe and they didn't trust. Remarkably, these are the same people that witnessed the constant witness of God's character and His power was exhibited to them. His provision. I mean, these were the same people that saw the plagues against Egypt, right? The same people who were there when the Red Sea parted. The same people that walked with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. They had been there when God provided them manna and quail in the desert. And now they're asked to take a step of faith. Woo! And of course they're going to go. Right? They've seen God's power. But no, they don't. They fail to enter His rest. Think about it. Many of them were believers. Many of these people believed They believed in God. They believed there was a promised land. I mean, really. They believed they'd seen it with their own eyes. They believed it was there. They believed in its bounty. They believed Moses was the spokesman for God. But only two trusted. And only two would enter this rest. So do you see the subtle difference between belief and trust? There's a subtle difference here. We should understand what kind of faith is necessary to have rest in this life today. Leon Morris, a New Testament scholar, says, Faith in this passage, in chapter 4, verse 2, is an attitude of trusting God with wholeheartedness. So look at verse 3. It says, For we who have believed entered that rest. We could literally translate it like this. We who have wholeheartedly trusted entered rest. Faith that pleases God is belief plus trust. You see, belief is that mental appreciation or acceptance that a fact is trustworthy and it will simply not make your soul rest. I mean, I could believe just about anything and sometimes that makes me more nervous than I was before because I believe it to be true, right? Acknowledging Jesus as your Savior that He is Lord will not give you rest in and of itself Trusting Him gives you rest. Trust brings rest because trust sweeps away all the deepest causes of unrest in our lives. Like a north wind blows away the stormy clouds on the horizon, that's when we have rest. We need to trust the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection When we do, the guilt of sin is gone. Our conscience is made clear. 
But we need to secondly trust His character, the Almighty God, and a loving Savior who gives us rest as we place our burdens on Him. I'm a grandpa, and you wouldn't guess from just looking at my white beard, right? (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I love when my grandbaby, I grab my grandbaby, and I'm the only one who can do this. Dad can't do it, mom can't do it like I can do it. You don't think I'm proud of this. But I just lay her up on my shoulder and pat her back, and she falls asleep instantly almost. Even with all the stresses and noises all around, Papa can make her fall asleep. (laughs) And so we rest like that in God. She trusts Papa. When was the last time you slept like a baby? When we come to Christ by faith, we find salvation. It is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, all you are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's the rest of knowing. My sins are gone. I'm forgiven. But we need to yield. Because, you see, that, that memory of our trusting Jesus Christ and our salvation sometimes starts to fade if we're not cultivating it and growing it. And so we need to yield and learn to obey and submit ourselves entirely to God. You see, we first receive peace with God, and then we receive peace from God. It is by believing that we enter into rest, and by obeying by faith and surrendering that his rest will enter into us. Now, there's something that we should fear in this passage. I don't know if you caught that when Jessica read it, but I certainly felt like it just jumped out at me, a fear. You should be afraid. In chapter 3, we're reminded of it. In chapter 2, or chapter 4, verse 2, uh, fear is, is presented to us, that something we should be afraid of. And you know what it is? Unbelief. I mean, there's so many things in the world that we should be afraid of, right? Or that we are afraid of. Maybe that's the way I should say it. There's so many things. We're, we're afraid of losing our job. We're afraid of not making enough money. We're, we're f- afraid of getting sick. We're afraid of, of losing love. We're afraid of losing a loved one. We're afraid of loneliness. We fear the loss of freedom. We fear violence in the street. In fact, at my house, we fear Asian hate sometimes, right? We fear all kinds of things. And I could go on and on with a list of all the things that you and I could be afraid of today, but the Bible tells us here in this passage, the only thing we should be afraid of is is unbelief. I mean, think about this. Trust God and fear unbelief. Fear. You and I should be afraid of hearing the promises of God and not trusting them this morning. You see, the gospel brings us rest. Do you and I fear the wrong thing? Now, in verses 3 through 5, we should notice that the place of rest is found here. You might even say it's the nature of rest that's presented. But our pastor, the pastor in Hebrews... 
quotes Psalm 95, verse 11, several different times. And he says, they shall not enter my rest. Now, the purpose of him saying, they shall not enter my rest, is not for you to feel sad for the people that he's writing about, that they didn't enter. His purpose is telling you where the rest comes from. He says, it's my rest. It's God's rest. This is kind of an interesting thing to me. It's not simply a time of relaxation, but it is a rest that's identical to the rest that God has. It's His rest that He shares with us. God entered this rest when He finished creation. That's what this passage tells us. When He finished creating the universe, it says, although His works were finished from the foundation of the world, for He has somewhere Spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Obviously, the, the references to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, right? Now, there's an interesting thing. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the seventh day, this is interesting, and I never caught it for a long time, but did you notice there's no beginning there's no morning or evening on the seventh day. All the other days have a morning and an evening, but not the seventh day because the rest continues. It's still available to us as his children. It is a fullness of rest. Isn't it kind of cool that the Old Testament introduces us to this eternal rest from the very beginning? I think it is. God's universal rest is perfect. Now, I know that goes without saying, right? I mean, we all know that God's rest has to be perfect. But let me tell you where I come up with that. In Job chapter 38, verse 7, it tells us that all creation, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy at creation. I can only imagine that God's joy filled all of heaven as he, as he rested and brought that into the courts of his, his throne room. And all of heaven rejoiced. Secondly, the rest is satisfying. Not only is it joyful, but it's a satisfying rest. I mean, we get that from Genesis chapter 2 and 1 as well. Every day when he finished creating something, you know what he said? It is good. You guys should know that. You guys have all seen Oh God or something, right? He always goes, it's good, right? It's good. It was great. It's a satisfying good. Great. So it's not only is it joyful, but it's satisfying. But you know what? It's also a work rest. I know none of you are excited to hear that, but it's a work rest. And I want you to catch what it means. God finished his work, work but he didn't stop working, but instead just completed this great work. Jesus referred to his father's ongoing work in John chapter 5, verse 17, where he says, my father is working until now, and I am working. God's stillness is full of activity. God rests, and in his rest, he keeps working even today. We see that his rest is joyous, satisfying, and productive rest. It's a working rest. 
And I'll be honest, when I go on a missions vacation, (laughs) when I go and take time off to go serve other people, I usually come back more feeling more filled than when I left. Does that make sense? God's rest is available now. Now. Verse 3 says, For we who have believed enter the rest. Now, the, I don't do this very often, but let me... I'm going to do it twice in this sermon. I want to tell you about the original language just real quickly. The word entered is a verb in the present tense, which means that as believers... We are in the process of entering this. There is a now and a then to this rest. Now in Christ, we have entered and are entering into this rest. And our experience of rest is equal to the amount we trust. Do you catch that? But there is a future rest in heaven. Where God's perfect rest forever joyous, forever satisfying, forever productive, never ends. And that gives me such assurance I've often thought in my mind as a young Christian, oh, we're going to go to heaven and all we're going to do is sit there and praise God all day long. Thank goodness God's going to give us something to do that's going to be glorious for Him. We'll have something to do in heaven. You can look forward to it. Our our pastor in Hebrews knew this storm-tossed church needed a little medicine, and so do you and I. You and I can rest when we begin to trust. The rest remains here in this passage. If you look at the next few verses, the members of this little church become more disheartened. They're disheartened because they obviously felt like there was no rest for them. I mean, maybe it was available to the Israelites as they had the opportunity to enter into that rest. Maybe it was available during David's time because David presents that in 95 verse 11 and 12. But obviously it wasn't available to first century Christians. Uh, And certainly, certainly the writer of Hebrews, whoever he might be, couldn't understand 21st century Christians and how hard and hectic our lives are, right? I mean, obviously, he didn't understand that. And so I think the the pastor says, wait a minute, it remains. And the point he's trying to tell us is that rest is there. And the only thing that can keep you from resting is distrust and disobedience. God's promised rest stands. Anyone can have it. Twice in chapter 3, again here in chapter 4, he quotes Psalm 95. And again, he says, in verse 7, he says, again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. In David's day, the rest he offered by the Holy Spirit says, today. And you know what today meant back then? Today. Today, back in David's time, was the today. You know what it means today, in our time? Today. 
Today, it's available to us. Today, the only way you can miss out on it is to harden your heart, to not listen to the Holy Spirit, to God by being disobedient to what God has called you to do. And there's a tone here that's urgent today. You need to do it. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Now, in verse 8, the author makes an argument that I think kind of gets lost on us today because we read it in English. The word Joshua is in Greek is the same word Jesus in Greek. Did you know that? It's the same word, Joshua. So they could have translated this Jesus, but they knew the context, so they knew it was Joshua. And so this passage is pretty cool because the word Joshua and Jesus are the same, and so the Old Testament Jesus, who led his followers into Canaan, didn't give them real rest, it says. But a new Jesus is coming, or has come, he says, who can bring us to rest. He is the ultimate Joshua. God saves. He is Jesus Christ. And when God finished the universe, he rested in the Sabbath rest of his works. When Christ died, he finished. When he was up on that cross, he yelled out those words, it is finished. And when he did, he finished. He rested in the atoning work that he had done. And when you and I believe, we finish our works righteousness and we enter into God's rest as well. And yet today we still long, we still long for rest, don't we? And so he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the pastor comes to the end of his sermon and he's saying to us, he's been showing his friends and you and I how we can experience this rest. And if we've learned anything from this text, I hope we must and we do understand that the rest is there if we want it. And so our, our pastor gives an invitation. Did you see that? In verse 11, he properly closes his sermon, just like every pastor does. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. But how do we do this? How do we strive? Focus on God's rest. That's what he calls it, my rest, right? Focus on God's rest, my rest. It is a Sabbath rest as old as the universe, folks. It is a joyous, satisfying, and productive rest. Think with all that you are on God's rest as described by the Holy Spirit in this passage and offered to you today. But secondly, we need to strive to combine hearing, hearing the good news with genuine faith today. 
That is, belief. I believe there's a God. I believe there's a promised land. I believe there's a heaven. So put it into action. Obey his commands. You see, during life's toughest seas, we're called, just like the early church, to believe there's a mighty God, the mighty God of an, the Exodus, who called his people forth, parted the sea, brought water from a rock, fed him with quail and manna, and he, and he presents this rest to us. And yet, even more today, you and I need to trust the bread from heaven who gave his life for us, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and he's there alive today in all of his power. I want to ask you, do you believe that? Does your God resemble the God who could do all those things? Do you really believe it with all of your heart that God actually has a good intention for you? Or is he just a giant killjoy that ruins everything for you? We must make every effort to believe in the real thing, the real God. And we need to make Christ our security today. And finally, we need to add belief and trust together. That's the bottom line. Could they trust? Could they trust God to care for them? Can you trust God to care for you? There is no rest in life without trust. Did you hear me? There is no rest in life without trust. And so you and I need to make Christ our priority. I read several different times and several different, uh, you could probably ask somebody who's smarter than me about medicine, but I, uh, I've read this a couple times now, that the most commonly prescribed medications are antidepressants and heartburn. Those are the most commonly used and prescribed. <laughs> Why is that? Could it be that real rest eludes most of us? And we struggle with that constant restlessness, that nagging dissatisfaction, desire, anxiety, and fear. And we miss the opportunity to trust God and take a few steps of faith, the ones that God is presenting to you right now. You know, in the bulletin, I saw a couple opportunities to take a step of faith. And I believe, just talking to Aaron, that the church, your leadership at the church is going to give you some opportunities in the near future to take some steps of faith. And we need to make Christ our security, make Him our priority. Do you believe God can give you rest? Can we, will we, trust Him? You see, we need to learn to rest in Jesus, to really thrive, because the more we trust, the more we will rest. Let us pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, how grateful I am for a message 
for me. This is a message where I've struggled the most in my life. When it comes to believing the truths in Scripture and having the trust to know that you will catch me or carry me or help me demonstrating your power in my life and making clear to everyone around me that not only are you Lord, but you are great and worthy of worship. And so today, would you speak to our hearts? And if there's one here who has never trusted Jesus Christ's death on the cross, would they make that decision today by turning from sin and placing their faith in Jesus? And if there is someone here today who knows their heart is restless, Lord, may they meet with you right now. For your rest does not end. In Jesus' name.